actually, there is a long form and a short form of today's gospel. I actually meant to read the long form. I accidentally read the short form. And the longer form, how this comes about, the question of marriage, is the Sadducees tried to trick Jesus and said that there were seven brothers. And a woman was married to them, and one of the brothers dies. The other brother will marry her to keep on the name. And then if he dies, a second brother will do the same, and then a third and a fourth. And so they kind of made this light mockery out of marriage because they said to Jesus, if this happened seven times and yet none of them bore children with this woman, when they die, whose wife is she in heaven? Which one of the seven? So Jesus says it's not that way in heaven. There isn't marriage in the same way. So who are these Sadducees? Well, we hear about them who, unlike the Pharisees, didn't believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not. They couldn't see what was beyond the earthly realm. That was, I guess you could say, the issue with many people in our world today. They didn't believe in spirits or the afterlife. So by this question, they wanted to make the concept of the resurrection or heaven look foolish. This was their goal. But Jesus points out that there is life after death. I just read the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to show these three men are alive. This is why a lot of times when people write to us and say, you can't talk, the dead are dead, the dead are dead, the dead are dead. Well, Jesus talked to Moses and Elijah on top of the mountain, Tabor, and they were long since physically dead. <clears throat> but he says, God is a living God, the God of living people. So the saints are alive. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. Our saints are too. We're not worshiping them. You know that. So anyway, we see here, Jesus himself is the point of somebody who dies will be alive. All right? We all know we died to pay our penalty. The penalty for sin is death. You've heard me say that before. And he paid that debt, so now we could live forever. Why else would he pay the debt? There was no afterlife. His action on the cross is worthless. If there was no afterlife, there's no way this man, Jesus Christ, would have gone to the cross to die for nothing. The reason he died on the cross was to defeat death the last of God's great enemies. That's why we are so against abortion, because it is about life, not death. And when he defeated death, the last of God's great enemies, there's eternal life. And so he resurrected to show that death, that this death caused by sin no longer has control over us. That's fascinating. That's how he opened the doors to heaven. Amazing. But once in heaven, he tells us things will be different. Our focus will not be on our careers, our money, our home, our goods, or even on each other. Our focus will only be on God. Now, marriage is necessary here. God created it that way, but it won't be necessary in heaven. And I always laugh. Some people say, oh, and others are like, yes. <laughs> and 
And why, though, the objective of marriage here on earth, all three objectives of marriage, you've heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating because we're, we're approaching the time of the elections on Tuesday. And it's how ironic how God organized these readings, at least the ones I've gotten, to reflect what you need to know in the voting booth. Last Friday, we did a talk when the reading was about being a good steward. What you have been given is not yours. What you have been given, you don't own. And we said on Friday, that starts first and foremost with your children. You are stewards. They are God's children. Yes, they're your earthly children, but they are given to you to care for, not to kill. And so we talked about that on Friday. Now I turn around and I look at the reading. And what's the second non-negotiable in the voting booth is the sanctity of marriage. I'm like, whoa, Lord, I can't wait to see what tomorrow's reading is <laughs> or Tuesday's reading. Now, the fact that marriage is needed here on earth is clear. All right, what, I'm going to test you again. You've heard me say this, maybe if you've missed it. What are the three objectives to marriage here on earth? One, procreative, open to life. The world must reproduce or mankind dies because, or dies out because we have a finite lifespan here on this earth. All of us will die. And so we must be open to life to reproduce so that the human race can, can continue. So number one is that it is procreative. That's the first objective of marriage, open to life. That ties directly with the abortion issue. We must be open to life, Catholic Church teaching. Second, unitive. The parents come together, the husband and the wife, to share the two shall become one flesh. The words of Jesus, they renew the marital, through the marital act, they renew the covenant. Covenant. Remember Scott Hahn. Um, a contract is between about things. A covenant is between people. So when you marry, you are making a covenant. And what is the covenant? Unlike a contract, it's this is mine, this is mine, this is yours. In a covenant, that's a contract. In a covenant, it's about us together. We are one. We are united. So the second objective of marriage, unitive. We will be united with one another. The wife will be united to the husband, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay? Now, the third Get your spouse to heaven. Grow in holiness. And you know, the greatest way to do that, again, you've heard me say this, but it is when they annoy the heck out of you. That is the greatest way for you to get to heaven because you grow in virtue. Now, I'm not saying go and annoy your spouse and say, Father Chris told me to do that so that you can get to heaven. No, we don't do it that way, but your spouse and the little crosses they offer you are ways for you to grow in patience and virtue and to grow in holiness. <clears throat> and if your spouse is not, you help them along the way to see the need for God, to see the 
importance of the faith. So these three objectives, procreative, unitive, and get your spouse to heaven, are the objectives of marriage in heaven. Why is there not marriage in heaven? Because we don't need any one of those three. Whoa, yeah. We don't need to reproduce in heaven because we live forever, like the angels. The angels don't reproduce. They were all created at one moment. And we too will not reproduce. We will be there forever. Every human being has ever lived that is worthy of heaven will be there forever. There's no reproduction. So that part of marriage is not needed. The second part of marriage, the two shall become one flesh, is not needed. In heaven, there is no sexual relations. Why? Because the perfect union is with God himself. So there's no need for the unity of the sexual act because you will be perfectly united with God in a greater way, a spiritual way. You know, this morning I was reading the Diary of St. Faustina, looking for the passage that would tie to this, and it, it, it always does. I am blown away by how many times in the diary Jesus calls her his spouse. Whoa, I, I had no idea till this morning as I was reading through the diary, searching in keywords, marriage and spouse. And, and Jesus calls her his spouse throughout the diary. And because that's the perfect union. And on earth, she's experiencing that perfect union now. That's high, why a call to the religious life is such a high calling, because you're actually reaching for what heaven actually is here on earth union with God. And that's why people who criticize the church all the time, why can't priests marry? Why can't priests marry? In fact, I was one of them. I was so hoping the church would change its rule so that I could still be married before becoming a priest. I was so hoping that. And I prayed for that. Now I know why God didn't say yes to that prayer. There is no way now I could be married. It would be so unfair to my spouse or unfair to the church. You've got to give 100% as a priest, 100% to, to the church. This is our bride as a priest. And so the second unitive is not needed in heaven because God has that perfect union with us. And then lastly, grow in holiness isn't needed because once you die, that's it. There is more, no more growth in holiness. You merit nothing else. That's why the holy souls need our prayer. They can't pray for themselves. Once you die, the time of merit is over. You can't grow anymore in holiness. You die in the state you live. And so we can't grow in holiness anymore. So the third objective, grow in holiness, is not needed in heaven. You are what you are when you get there. Now, on earth... We have death, so we need children to carry on our race. We having children is the primary aim of marriage, and that's why the Jewish men married their brother's wife. That we heard in the longer form, sorry, I didn't read it. But to carry on the family's name after his death. But in heaven, there is no death, no need to marry and have children to carry on our race. We will be like the angels. What does that mean? What does Jesus mean when he says you will be like the angels? Meaning we are eternal spirits. We will not die or reproduce. The most intense personal communication on earth, as I just said, happens between married people. But because of limitations of our bodies here on earth, 
the intimacy is only given to one person. You only give that intimacy to one person. That's how God created it. But in heaven, check this out. In heaven, you'll get your body back. You will be transformed. But in that, you will be spiritualized. So guess what? You will communicate with all people in the body of Christ in heaven more intimately than your sexual union with your spouse on this earth. On this earth, the marital act allows the most intimate relation with one person. Well, at least it's supposed to be one person. That's why it's intimate, because it's the meaning behind it, not just the physical act. But in heaven, our bodies will be transformed in such a way that we will have an intimacy with each and every person, even people who lived a thousand years ago, in a way unlike any on this earth, much greater. This is what Jesus is pointing out to us. And in heaven, it's incredible because we will, we will communicate more extensively and more intimately with everyone again. So that's why there's no need for marriage. Amazing. So to finish, I love this. This is St. Augustine. And I, I can't say this enough because people have never heard this concept. We are going to be voting on Tuesday here in the United States. And I've been asking for prayers, and we've been saying Pope Benedict reiterated the church teaching of the three non-negotiables. And I explained on Friday that doesn't mean other issues like the environment, inflation, immigration, racism. It doesn't mean those items are not important. They are important. They're extremely important but they are negotiable. Negotiable doesn't mean unimportant. Negotiable means there's multiple ways you can fix the problem, all right? With the environment, do you go with wind power, solar power, um, hydraulic dams? How do you do it? There's, it's negotiable. There's no one right or wrong answer to fixing the problems of the environment. Paper, plastic. I used to do plastic thinking I was saving trees. Then I was told, no, do, 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 do plastic or do paper because the plastic doesn't disintegrate. It, my goodness. There are multiple negotiable ways to solve the problem. With the three non-negotiables of our Catholic faith, there is no alternatives. Number one, the dignity of human life. We must, and please, I report, repeat, must vote for the candidates that support the dignity of human life. The bishops have made it clear, even today, the USCCB has said, abortion is the preeminent voting issue. Preeminent. That does not mean the others are not important. It means abortion is preeminent because the dignity of human life without human life, the right to life, none of the other rights matter. Voting rights, women's rights, reproductive rights, that's a lie, by the way. All of it, nothing matters without the right to life. Okay? None of it. So the first non-negotiable, the right to life. Second is the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. You must support those candidates who will not redefine marriage, 
who stick by the true teaching of the church that marriage is between a man and a woman. It's not negotiable. We can't have marriage between an animal and a human. We can't have marriage between two men. We can't have marriage between two women. It's not a marriage according to God. It's non-negotiable. And so we must do it. That's why Augustine said, we are a mirror of the Trinity. He said a Trinity, the Trinity, the Father, the first person of the Trinity, and the second person of the Trinity. The love between them is so great that from it comes a third person. That's the Holy Spirit. The love between the first person and the second person of the Trinity is so great that from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit. That's who the family is. You have the husband, the lover, the wife, the beloved, and the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the child. It can't be redefined. That's why it's non-negotiable. And third, the church teaches, is the religious freedom. It's non-negotiable. It cannot be stripped. And now it's being censored, being canceled. LifeSite News out on YouTube was taken away. They're back on now, I think. But this is censorship, stripping of our religious freedoms. In many countries, they can't even worship like we are here. So, marriage, this is the issue. Love between the husband and wife. Yes, we can still know our family and friends and spouses in heaven. But marriage in heaven, the ultimate marriage, is not with each other, but with God himself. And we start to experience that right here in the Mass consummation. When the blessed sacrament enters into you, it's consummated. The groom enters into the bride. We are the bride, the church. Christ is the groom. And then I finish by saying, some will say, but Father, I don't want to go to heaven if my loved ones are not there. I will never be happy in heaven if all my children are not there. Well, Revelation 21.4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Okay, this is the age-old question. Can you be unhappy if your loved ones in heaven are not there? Since missing our loved ones would fall under the category of pain or mourning, God wipes that pain away. I just read it. Revelation 21. We will not be sad if our loved ones are not there because they chose what they wanted. They chose what they wanted. They will not be, you will not be sad because justice is done. It's kind of like a crime. If there's a criminal, it is unjust to let them go free. It is just to put them in jail. And people don't argue that. So our focus should be on bringing our loved ones to Christ and praying for them so that they will be in heaven. We do this so that they will be there rather than worrying about how we can be happy if they're not. So please start by evangelizing to your loved ones about the way we vote. The way we vote is a serious moral obligation, one that can affect our salvation. It's that serious. So please, on Tuesday, look at those candidates. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle on, they have to support the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, and the preservation of religious liberty. Sadly, 
they're coming few and far between. They're becoming very rare. But we have to support those that do. Praise be to God that we still can. And please, please remember this come Tuesday. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.